Hello, and welcome to Grim and Whim, unnerving tales to haunt, mystify, and spark curiosity. Let's be curious together. Before we start the podcast, I just wanted to say a huge, huge thank you for everyone who's been listening. It means so much to me, and if you are enjoying the podcast and you want to help me out further, I would so appreciate it if you would give me a rating or a comment wherever you're listening to the podcast, whether it be Apple Podcast, Spotify, Anchor FM, that would help me out greatly. And with that, let's start with the first story. Our first story is titled, My Father's Strange Experience in Our Appalachian Family Forest at the Age of Ten. My dad told me this story several times, with the context of a weird, cool event that happened to him when he was 10 in the 1970s. As I got older, though, this story has started to really terrify me, especially since I used to go into these same woods often to play growing up. His story starts off with him doing the normal thing he did sometimes, as a 10-year-old boy might do, going up to the family forest to play on the outskirts. Mind you, This entire area spanned over 65 acres that we own, but overall it spans miles. He said it was a normal day and nothing was out of the ordinary until he got about halfway through the field towards the woods. He looked into the entryway of the woods and heard multiple men's voices coming from inside. My grandfather used to be a farmer, so my dad thought that it may have been him doing something with his uncles. Being curious as kids are, he runs over to the woods to investigate. There he walks into the woods until he comes across an entire logging crew clearing the trees. He said it was like nothing he had ever seen before, as the men working were completely ignoring him and doing their work as if he was invisible. The other strange thing was the fact that all the logging trucks and the clothing the men wore looked extremely outdated. Now that he thinks back to it, he says it was at least by 30 years or more behind. He starts walking through the area and tries to ask the men where they came from and who they were. One man finally notices my dad, squats down to him and says, What are you doing here, kid? You need to go back home. My dad, very confused, agrees to follow the man back to the edge of the woods. They wave goodbye, and my dad starts walking back home. He says that all that he can remember after that is starting to walk back, but waking up on a small inclined area in the woods, and the sun was now setting. He had been gone for nearly two hours, according to his mom, which she had been yelling and calling for him to get back before dark, and she was getting really worried, as he only normally stayed gone playing up there for about an hour tops. The weird thing was, he said that it only felt like he was gone for about 15 minutes tops. He also never took naps or fell asleep outside like that, and it's never happened since. For some reason, he never felt the need to bring up what he saw to my grandmother, his mother. I still don't understand why he never did, and he, to this day, doesn't really know why he didn't either. He said when he got home, it was like he couldn't really speak at all and he was incredibly drained. As the next few days went by, 
He told himself that it probably was real and his dad probably hired people to clear out the woods for lumber selling. He said things got really weird though when he went back the following week and it was as if the men were never there at all. The trees weren't cut, no tire marks, nothing. He still didn't bring it up to his folks for some reason. Years later, as an adult in his 30s, he sat down with my grandfather one day over lunch, and somehow, getting on the topic, my dad wanted to ask him a few questions. By this point, my dad was convinced he either had a very weird dream and really did pass out, or he had traveled back in time. To be honest, up to this point, he really did think of it as a possible strange dream until my grandfather answered a few of his questions. He asked my grandfather questions about the property itself, how many times it had been logged, among other things involving logging. He said the biggest thing that stuck out was that my grandfather told him that about 30 or 40 years before my dad was born, his family had hired a logging company to come clear the area to sell lumber. Nothing super eventful about it, but it matched the time period of everything he saw perfectly. Thinking back to my own childhood, there were so many times that I went exploring by myself or with my dogs in the same woods. The strangest thing I think that ever happened to me was that I could also occasionally hear men yelling construction talk, but I always thought it was just our neighbors on the outskirts of the forest. It sort of sends a chill up my spine thinking about it now. I also found barbed wire fences meshed into the trees, horseshoes, and old tools from where it used to be a farmland, as well as interestingly shaped natural streams, which weirdly enough, look like stairs. There's tons of natural cave systems on our property as well, which I've managed to find one where one of the streams flows into underground. It's a really cool forest, and quite beautiful. But there are some really creepy areas that are just completely empty of any plant life, including weeds, even though it's been untouched for decades. Our next story is titled, Missing Time. My boyfriend and I had planned a camping trip in Canton, Oklahoma for October 27th through the 28th of 2018. We got to our campsite late in the afternoon and started to set up like usual. Unload the truck, set up the tent, and set our chairs around the fire pit and pile the firewood up. I was really excited for the fire later because we had brought a huge log that had one of those holes through the center and soaked with some sort of long burning solution. We got all of our comfy stuff set in the tent. We set up our lights and speaker, hung out around the fire ring, listening to music, and talking until the sun went down. Then my boyfriend started a fire with the single giant log I was so excited about. As we were sitting in front of the fire, the sun completely down at this point, the speakers started to mess up. It was a weird, loud, glitchy static that happened several times. I had never heard it do this before. We figured that maybe it was because the internet was spotty or maybe the speaker was too far from the phone it was connected to. So my boyfriend went to check it out on more than one occasion, but he couldn't figure out what the problem was. We had okay cell service, 
It started to creep me out, and maybe him as well, but he never said a thing even if it did. We decided to just leave it alone and ignore the glitchy static and go open the Fritos and bean dip we brought and crack some glow sticks. This is where everything ended. I dipped one to two Fritos in the bean dip, opened a pack of glow sticks, and sitting across from me at the picnic table, my boyfriend opened one of the glow sticks that you make into glasses. He put the connector piece in his nose like it was an oxygen tube. I remember it so clearly. I remember laughing really hard and saying, oh my God, get that out of your nose. The very next thing I remember was waking up in the tent. I was in a sleeping bag, nearly all the way zipped up, and my boyfriend next to me was asking if I'd unzip the sleeping bag and share it with him because he was freezing. And then that's when we both sort of snapped out of a sleepy daze and looked at each other so unbelievably confused and really scared. We sat there confused and sort of lost for words. So I said, what the F just happened? How are we in here? I didn't know what to say or think, and my boyfriend looked just as confused and scared. And as he shook his head in confusion, it was just all over his face too, just shock and fear. Then he said, I don't know. I have no idea what the F happened. I just woke up a few seconds before you and I was just laying here flat on my back with no pillows, blankets, just nothing. Which for him is weird because he usually sleeps with a million pillows. We sat there and talked through what all we had done and what we last remembered. We remembered the very exact same moment of him putting that connector in his nose like a breathing tube and laughing our butts off. I was really freaked out and kind of hesitant to leave the tent. I've never in my life felt so confused. So we laid back down and he wrapped his arms around me, and we kept going over what had happened, and how it was so weird that it didn't feel like we'd been sleeping on the ground all night. It's pretty typical to wake up from a night in a tent feeling a little achy. So after a while of talking and nothing making sense, I was ready to finally leave the tent. So I start looking around for my jeans and couldn't find them. Where the hell are my jeans? This is not unusual for me to sleep in only a t-shirt, but it didn't explain where they were. And all of a sudden, I had a really scary flash of the night that I could clearly remember. I was sitting at the picnic table He was squatted in front of me and I was panicking and crying hard and really scared. I was pulling these giant stickers or thorn things from my jeans and in this memory my boyfriend was just trying to calm me down and comfort me and he said, it's okay baby, you just gotta grab them like this. This very clear memory was like a slap in my face. It had to have been no more than a 15 second memory. So I tried to explain what just came to me. And my boyfriend said, I don't remember that at all. Maybe it was a dream. It made me a little irritated because it was so clear and I knew for sure that happened. So he said he'd run out to the truck to grab my bag with my clothes in it. I looked out the tent door and saw my shoes, side by side, set very nicely, not flung to the side like I normally would do. But then I looked at my shoes. My right shoe's laces were covered and those giant thorn sticker things. So I yelled, babe, 
It did happen. It wasn't a dream. And I said again exactly what he said in my memory. And it came back to him too. He remembered exactly and clearly. When he came back to the tent, he looked even more freaked out and said, your jeans were folded nicely on your seat in the truck. You really need to come out here. So I got dressed and stepped out of the tent, and the first thing I noticed is everything was left exactly the same as I remembered. There was a single Frito in the bean dip. The pile of glow sticks I never broke were still in place, and the pack my boyfriend opened with the little plastic connector that he had put in his nose was still right on the table with the other parts. All our firewood was burned. We had a lot of wood. It was really silent that morning. We walked to the bathroom, and in doing so, we noticed again that all the surrounding lawns were beautifully manicured. So where did the sticker things come from? What the hell happened? How is this even possible? One thing my boyfriend noticed that was not normal for him was that he had no pain when he woke up. He was an 82nd Airborne Infantry paratrooper, and he wakes up with leg and back pain daily. So... I guess that's the silver lining. Maybe we were abducted. Or running from something. Why can't we remember anything? We both believe in alien life, but aren't sure if this is what we think it is. I've always been so afraid of the dark, and even more so now, and I will never camp in a tent again. Neither of us have had any other memories come back to us, and I almost wonder if it's better that way. Our final segment is about Scottish forests, and I found this information on forestryandland.gov. The first forest we're going to talk about is Blairadam. In 2008, the Wilson family spent the day in Blairadam Woodland, a large site with a strong coal mining history. The family who lived close to the forest had a great day, taking family photos and exploring what the site had to offer. That is, until they returned home and noticed something unusual in the background of a photo. It was a photo of one of the children who was standing in front of a cluster of trees. But upon closer inspection, the family noticed there was a sinister form tucked in the tree line. The figure was wearing Victorian clothes, similar to those worn by the mine's long-deceased workers. We will never know if this ghost died in the mine, forever wandering its final resting place, or if there is a more innocent explanation for the presence of the sinister figure. This might be one mystery we may never understand. In the photo, there's a little girl um, in a pink coat and she's standing in the woods and there is a bunch of trees behind her and when you look a little bit closer, you do see a figure there and it looks like they're wearing some kind of long coat and perhaps a hat. And it definitely looks a little bit weird. And it's looking directly into the camera, which is the most eerie part. Next is the Dunatar Woods. Along the Dunatar Woods history trail, you will find Gallo Hill, the resting place of countless souls. This is where centuries ago, 
condemned criminals took their final walk to the gallows, with a fearsome hangman's noose waiting for them in the summit. Tree planting began on the site in the 1800s, but soon after, workers uncovered a gruesome surprise. The bones of executed criminals. We have recently found evidence that the hill's grisly past started much earlier, as the gallows were built on an ancient burial ground over 3,000 years old. Scientists believe it was once a sacred spot to prehistoric people who would have lived nearby. The next set of woods is called Aberfoyle, and there is a trail called the Dune Hill Trail. Perched at the top of Dune Hill Trail is the fairy tree, a solitary Scots pine nestled in an oak-laden woodland. Legend has it that the tree marks the entrance to a fairy queen's underground palace. In 1691, the local Reverend Robert Kirk published a book called The Secret Commonwealth of Elves, Fawns, and Fairies, which tried to understand the secrets of this hidden magical world. The story goes that the book angered the fairies, and a year later, Reverend Kirk mysteriously died upon Dune Hill. Some say that on certain days, you can still see his ghost wandering close to the fairy tree, forever guarding its entrance and secrets. Next, we have the New Castleton Woods, and there is a trail there called the Hanging Tree Trail. This trail has many spooky spots, the first one being Whipbow Burn, where an old country turnpike once crossed over the water. People say this site is haunted by fairies and ghosts, making it a popular spot for the souls of the Castleton churchyard to take a midnight stroll. If you are feeling brave, take a slight detour to an ancient ash tree whose shady past gave it the nickname the Hanging Tree. This spot is where many damned souls took their last breath under the old deciduous tree's strong branches. Finally, we have the Culloden Woods. On the 16th of April in 1746, Charles Stuart led the Jacobite army into the decisive battle against the Duke of Cumberland and the British army. The fight lasted a mere 60 minutes, and over 1,500 people were killed or wounded, and history changed forever. The Culloden Woods cover part of this historical battle site. Hidden along the Culloden Wood Trail is the Prisoner's Stone, where 17 Jacobite prisoners were allegedly executed. It remains to this day an eerie reminder of the site's violent past. Thank you so much for joining me. It's goodbye for now, but I hope to haunt you again soon. If you have your own scary story, or a strange encounter, or anything else that falls under the umbrella of mysterious, or chilling, or spooky, you can type it out, and please send it to Grim and Whim at gmail.com. That's G-R-I-M-A-N-D 
W-H-I-M at gmail.com.